welcome back to my Love Letter Time Machine. Hi, I'm Ingrid Birchall-Hughes and I'm serialising the love letters of my great-great-grandparents, Fred Shepherd and Janie Warburton. Travel 140 years back in time with me now, where we take a look at Victorian history through their eyes, and today, wedding clothes are on the agenda, and we take a little look at the Derbyshire spa town of Buxton. Fred gets into a fine old mood over the course of these next letters, as the number of friends being invited by Janie's mother, not Janie I hasten to add, is making him fret. He's really feeling the lack of control. Not a comfortable place for our Fred. However, what I love about this particular exchange is hearing about all the numerous little details of wedding organisation, and the politics of who should or shouldn't be invited, Things like making sure cake boxes are ordered and tracking down people's clothes sizes is so relatable. But first we start with Fred's reaction to Janie wishing to buy a dress for her mother-in-law-to-be, Anne, who didn't want to come to their wedding in her only good dress because it was black. Royal Exchange, Middlesbrough, the North Eastern Steel Company Limited, September 20th, 1882. My own darling wife. I received your welcome letter this morning, for which I thank you. I am pleased to hear that you went down to our house, love, but sorry to hear that Mother and little Walter have been so ill. With reference to the dress which you suggest should be given to my mother, I did not know that was her difficulty at all. I always thought she was not great on weddings, seeing she did not go to our waltz. If that is the only thing that prevents her from being there, by all means let her have one. And as I don't know much about such things, would you kindly undertake to provide her with one, darling? It will save me the trouble of sending you some more money. Or if you do not like to do this, love, let me know how much it will be and I will forward it to her. I should very much like for her to be there, love, and I know you would. And I am very pleased that you'll be willing to make the sacrifice you mentioned, darling, for it will be one for you, I know. With respect to giving her the difference, what we should have spent... I am not yet decided upon yet. You see, love, the more I give her, the less the others will give her. I wish I could see you and thank you for your kindness to her, darling, and talk everything over with you. I always felt, my darling, that you'd be a different daughter to her than our Walt's wife, and I am quite sure now, wifey. I really did not know where her reluctance was caused or would have tried to remedy it before. I expect Mr Gillingham and Mr Rennie will not be the only people who want a glass at the wedding, love. I am grieved to hear your Emma is on again, but never mind, my darling, only three more weeks, and then you will not be troubled by her. I have received a letter from Tom Hughes today. He will be pleased to be there, and takes seven and a half in gloves. Will you kindly give the enclosed to your John for me, love? I have been to see the vicar of St John's today, and have paid the necessary fees here. So if you want to decline the ordeal of marriage, love, you have not much time to change your mind. I remain, my darling wife your loving, true and faithful husband, Fred. P.S. I wish it was the marriage tomorrow, love. I have been troubled these last two nights and it makes me feel so miserable. Hansworth, September the 21st, 1882. My own darling husband, I have had Mrs Fleer up this afternoon to fit my dress on, and our Polly from Sheffield came to dinner. She is very well, 
and wishes to be very kindly remembered to you. And she says, I am to tell you, she does not like the idea of the 12th of October coming at all. I received your letters on Tuesday and Wednesday, love, for which I thank you. I should like to go with you to hear our band's published love. I certainly should go here if I was not so well known. It must be curious to hear oneself be called out. I have not forgotten about Ted and Miss Dalton, love. I thought I would send all the invitations out next Monday. Mother and our John wish me to invite Tom Wortley and Fred Senior. You do not mind, do you, love? Thank you for the dimensions of the windows. I can make it out all right, love, and will make the blinds all ready to put up, and also for the addresses. I shall be thankful, love, to have a decent bedroom to sleep in, and I might say a very nice bedfellow, or it will be nice to sleep with my husband. Ginny Reckless was asking me if I thought I shouldn't feel queer the first light. I thought not particular. I wish you had been with me on Saturday to cheer me up a bit. My troubles do vanish when you are by my side, my darling. I do love you. We shall very soon be together now. Only three weeks, love. It shall soon pass over. You did quite right to mention it about Mr Glover and Annie, love. I have nothing to forgive. If I had love, I would kiss you if you were here. I have almost forgotten what a kiss is like. Ours will be a glorious meeting, darling, with no more partings, love. We shall want a few more cake boxes, love. There is twenty-nine of your friends and a few of mine. I should like to send it in boxes. I am thinking of asking John and Louisa, Jane and Walter, Lucy and her husband, but he may not come, for he is very bad with the gout. He has been at Buxton for a fortnight, and I cannot leave him out and ask the others. And what about Arthur? You say, love, you do not care about Selina coming. Do you think if I ask Arthur without Selina, he will be offended? I am sure the papers for our house will look nice, love. I did like Mr Marston's. I will now turn to this morning's letter. Oh, love, what would you put on the invitations? I will ask Polly tonight, but tell me what you think. My darling, I shall be very happy to undertake to provide your mother with a dress. I believe that is the only objection she had about coming. I believe she really wants to come, but did not like to in black. I know, love, if you had thought of it before, you would have tried to remedy it. I do want her to come. I am sure, love, I will try my best to be a good daughter to your mother. She will be my own soon. I think nearly as much about her as my own, and I believe she does care for me. I wish you could be here, love, to talk everything over. I miss you more than ever now. I shall not need to ask either John Mies or Tommy Hughes again, shall I, love? Did you not tell them what time to be at our house? I thought we'd be married at quarter to eleven, love, so they must be here at half past ten at the latest. I am glad Tom has consented to come. I want you to have all your old friends, love, if possible. I should think if I get seven and a half gloves for John Mies, they will be all right. I'm going to Sheffield tomorrow. I have not much desire to run off and change my mind now, love. Have you? You must say now, or hereafter hold your peace. I am sorry you've been troubled again, love. I wish it was next week for your sake. I remain always, my darling husband, your loving, true and faithful wife, Janie. The little detail of Lucy's husband, Fred's brother-in-law, going to Buxton for a fortnight for his troublesome gout, made me want to find out a bit more. I've mentioned him before. His name was Charles Lister, and I have a couple of photographs of him. He has a round, jolly face with a big smile, and he looks very affable. Charles was a fireman on the railways. 
a physical job spent on the footplate of steam engines, repeatedly shoveling many tons of coal from the tender into the firebox, for him to be risking his long-term employment for treatment at Buxton, while I can imagine his gout was pretty serious. The condition is excruciatingly painful and can result in permanent disability. Buxton, perhaps the most famous spa town in the north of England, is situated in Derbyshire in the heart of the Peak District, approximately only 25 miles to the west of Sheffield, and has been known for its warm spring waters since before Roman times, so I thought it might be interesting to have a little look into the history of taking the waters at Buxton. Every day, half a million gallons of effervescent water rise from Buxton's geothermal spring at a temperature of 27 degrees Celsius or 82 degrees Fahrenheit. It has a naturally high magnesium content from percolating up through the local rocks after it first fell as rainwater 5,000 years ago. The water's health-giving properties have been written about for many hundreds of years. The chronicler William Worcester, writing in the 1460s, described the spring waters in Buxton as Memorandum that holy well makes many miracles, making the infirm healthy, and in winter it is warm even as honeyed milk. In the 16th century, during her captivity, Mary, Queen of Scots, was given special permission by Queen Elizabeth I to visit the town every year for the treatment of her rheumatism. However, It was in the Georgian and Victorian periods that Buxton developed into a booming spa town. In the first half of the 19th century, doctors Charles Scudamore and William Henry Robertson both wrote about how the waters were particularly effective at treating gout. In fact, Robertson's Guide to the Use of Buxton Waters was printed 24 times. Robertson, in very flowery language, describes in his guide that treatments were usually a combination of baths and taking the waters to a schedule. Patients were encouraged to immerse themselves in the waters twice a day, with the added treatment of a hose spraying the warm spring water at the affected area of the body at the same time. They were also prescribed several glasses of the water to be taken before breakfast, and again a few hours after, starting at a quarter of a pint, and over the course of their treatment, working up their way to a pint of the stuff every day. Magnesium is an essential mineral for the human body, and even in today's modern diet, magnesium deficiency is not all that uncommon. Beans, nuts, seeds and leafy green vegetables are the main sources of dietary magnesium, not things to be found all that frequently in the Victorian diet. Mind you, just because Janie and Fred never mentioned cabbages in their letters doesn't mean they weren't actually eating them. So, to drink water rich in magnesium, it is unsurprising that people over the course of history have found the water in Buxton brought them relief. Ironically, in Fred's brother-in-law Charles's case, Some studies suggest that magnesium can actually aggravate gout. However, if gout patients were drinking an extra pint of water a day during their visits, that would definitely go some way to helping dilute the amount of uric acid in the blood, the primary cause of gout. The NHS recommend in cases of gout that drinking more water is helpful. And I rather wonder if that was the main reason that Buxton became known as a good place for a cure for gout. 
On the Buxton Museum and Art Gallery website, they have shared a letter that was donated to them by the writer's grandson. It's from a James Brown, who I suspect was probably working class like Charles Lister. He must have been writing at some point between 1880 and 1920, and was obviously staying at Buxton to benefit from the spa treatments, and it reads as follows. 3 Leyland Cottages, Hardwick Square, Buxton. Dear Mama, Richard, Will, James, Alice and Grandma. I am here all right, as you will see, and I've got beautiful lodgings with a very nice family, and I think I shall be very comfortable. It is a bonny place and a lovely ride to it after you leave Manchester District. I have seen John in the hospital. He is not very much better yet. I shall go and see the doctor tonight or in the morning to see what baths I ought to take. This will cost me five shillings, but I think it will be best, and then I shall make no mistake. Give kind regards to all inquiring friends and a kiss for all my own. With best love. Hoping the lads will be very good while I'm away and that I shall derive much good from my visit. James Brown. By the turn of the 20th century, the numbers of visitors seeking health benefits in Buxton meant that more than 75,000 baths were being taken every year. Today, you can still bathe in the original thermal pool in the Buxton Crescent Health Spa Hotel, which was renovated and reopened in 2020. And since researching into all of this is now firmly on my personal bucket list, it looks amazing. You can still drink the water directly from the St Anne's Well in Buxton, should you so choose. But Buxton Mineral Water is a household name, and bottles of it are available in pretty much every supermarket in Britain. Fred's next letter must be in response to the recent one Janie sent about Emma drinking to excess and the family row that ensued. In it, he hints at his own family experience of that kind of situation, which seems to be a fairly new disclosure. Albert Terrace, Binthorp Road, Middlesbrough, September the 21st, 1882. My own darling wife, I received your welcome, but sad letter this morning, love, for which I thank you. I am so sorry, my darling, that you are so unhappy. I do wish I could come over and comfort you, little wife, but bear up a little longer, my love, three weeks today, then we shall be together for life. I am so sorry to hear that your Emma is so bad, love, think she is a regular bad lot, and I almost think the only way to deal with her is to let her go her own course, that is when you have left the place for good. I am not surprised at your mother sticking up for her love, because I know how my mother used to get on at me whenever I said anything about our Harry's doings. She would not hear of him doing anything that was wrong. Still, I am sorry that your father and mother should fall out about her love, for she is not worth it. Besides, things ought to go smoothly with him now, instead of being irritated like that. But be brave a little longer, my darling wife. The dark cloud has a silver lining, and that is our marriage, and I know my brave little darling will keep up until then. I am glad that you rely on my love and sympathy, darling. That is what I want you to do, and I will try to merit it, love, and then we shall be really happy, for I am sure you will make me happy, wifey, and then you will be... I think I shall be able to come on the Tuesday, love, and then we can talk over all your arrangements as you suggest. I am going to write to Pawson and Brailsfords about the cards. They have sent me a sample, which is really nice. I enclose it to you. Ours will be of a similar style, but with the words you gave me. I have been very busy this last week trying to get out of balance. We have at last made it prove, for which I am very thankful. I love you more than ever. Good night. September the 22nd, 1882. My darling, I received your loving letter this morning for which I thank you. 
I should think your wedding dress will be a great effort on Mrs. Fleer's part, love. Kindly remember me to Polly, love, and say that of course I am very sorry to, and for her sake, that you have had to leave Handsworth, but for my own I am only too glad. With reference to the invitations, of course I have no particular objection to Tom Wortley and Fred Senior being there, though I do not see the necessity. If it had been your John's, it would have been different, and I am not aware that they are such particular friends of yours, love. Besides, I did not know that it was intended to invite all friends. I thought it was originally intended to invite only those friends who were to take part in it, such as Annie Laverer, Canny Worley, Tom Hughes and John Mies. If you go and invite friends that are no more to you than Fred Senior and Tom Wortley, you will have the house full, and I don't know where you will stop. As it is, I don't know where you will put them all. There are such a quantity of relations. I hope half of mine will not turn up, or I shall lose my nerve. With reference to the cake boxes, I only intended the ones ticked to have boxes, about sixteen, but I have ordered another dozen, so that we shall perhaps have plenty then. With reference to my sweet relations, I do hope my sister Lucy's husband and Selina will not come, but I think you had better write then, as I don't think they will come. I cannot give you any information what to put on the invitations, love, as I have not the least idea. You will not need to ask Tommy Hughes or John Mies, I shall write to them again, and will inform them what the time is. You say you want all my old friends there. I don't, or you would have too many. I think John Mies takes eights in gloves, but I will inquire. I expected you would not have much desire to change your mind, love. I haven't any, and will hereafter hold my peace, as you say. How many do you expect there to be there altogether, love? I wish the whole thing was over, or else that there was only going to be we two and your William and Polly there, for I really don't see any necessity for half the fuss and show there is over weddings. What has anybody got to do with it except us? But I suppose I really have not anything to do with it, as it is no use grumbling. I wish we were going to be married here, love. It would save all the row and drunkenness that is sure to be at your house on that day. What are you going to do with them all, all the day, love? I will not undertake to have anything to do in it. I remain, as ever, your loving, true and faithful husband, Fred. P.S. Excuse the dismal tone of my letter, love. I feel irritable and put out tonight. I want you to soothe me, darling. Tracking down wedding invitation traditions for non-middle-class Victorians proves to be rather challenging. Protania and Fred don't seem to have a resource to turn to, and it's not as if they are in the habit of reading any of the many etiquette guides that were published at the time. Mind you, I'm not sure they'd have been a great help, as the ones I looked in have no suggested wording for wedding invitations. I found a few examples of invitations from around that time, and the wording is very similar to what it would be now, so perhaps Janie and Fred's invitation may well have read something like this. Mr and Mrs James Warburton requests your presence at the marriage of their daughter Jane to Frederick Shepherd on Thursday, October the 12th, 1882, at quarter to eleven o'clock, at St Mary's the Virgin Church, Hansworth, Sheffield. Janie's next continues with more wedding details of both the fancy and eminently practical kind, in which she explains that Fred is going to get a surprise delivery of some chamber pots. Hansworth, September the 23rd, 1882. My own darling husband, I received your very welcome letter this morning, for which I thank you. I went to Sheffield by the 10 minutes to 11 train and met Polly at Brooks. We intended ordering the cake, but did not settle about it. I have to let them know on Tuesday. We shall want one a good size. We went from there to Horwinds. I bought your shirts, love. 
the printed ones I promised to get for you, and the white one, and also towels and other necessaries. I bought our chamber service, which you will have got before you get my letters. It is the very same pattern, love, that we like so much at Lancaster. Mother gave me money to get it yesterday, so I let them send it straight off. I expect they will pay the carriage. I would not unpack it, love. I did not go up to our Polly's, so could not write to let you know it was coming. She was obliged to go to Mrs. Ridge's, so I left her and went to pay my long-promised visit to Miss Mottershed. I have not been since Carrie went away. Uh, John was in the town, so he went there as well. We came back by the 7.20 train to Darnall, and I had to go up to your house to take Louisa a hat that I had bought for her. The shape does not suit her very well, so we are going to change it on Monday. I asked Louisa about your mother's dress, and she said she thought it would be best for me to buy her one. She thinks if she had the money, she would not spend it on a dress, but save it for other purposes. So Louisa and I thought if we were to change the hat, we would bring it as a surprise on Monday. I have to go to town on Monday to finish packing the dinner service. We found it was too heavy to send all in one tin trunk, so I have taken half of it out and filled it up with lighter things, and the other half I'm going to pack in a tin trunk from home and a lot more things. I'm thinking of sending them both on Tuesday to Middlesbrough to be delivered to your lodgings so that you will not have any trouble in getting them from the station. My darling, I am afraid I made you feel rather gloomy with giving you such a dismal letter. There is a silver lining to every cloud, love, and the silver lining is our marriage, love. We must bear the parting a little longer, and then we shall be together to comfort each other always. The cards will be very nice, love. I like the sample. I do not really see the necessity of Fred Senior and Tom Wortley coming myself, love, but still, Mother seems as though she would like them inviting. You know, they are not particular friends of mine. I'll give you a list of who I intend inviting besides relations. Ginny would like me to invite Blessman. He took her down to Darnall last Saturday. We shall put them all in the club room. What do you say if we have old Charlie to fiddle? I know you promised him that it would find them something to amuse themselves with. We shall have plenty of cake boxes with the other dozen, love. I wish it was over, love, but it soon will be now. There would not be half the bother if we could have been married at Middlesbrough. My darling... I wish I was near you to soothe all the irritableness away. I wish we were going for a nice walk. It is such a nice night, love. We should enjoy it, but we shall soon be able to have one together now. There is a cricket match today between Catcliffe and Handsworth. It is the last of the season, I think. I love you more than ever, my darling, and remain your loving, true and faithful wife, Janie. I am very much admiring Janie's unflappability in putting Fred's woes to bed and coming up with helpful solutions to entertain potentially troublesome guests. Next time Fred has further troubles to bear, as his clothes keep going missing in the laundry, and more seriously, an industrial accident involving a crane takes place at the North Eastern Steelworks. Thank you so much for listening to my Love Letter Time Machine. I'd very much like to get the podcast up the charts a bit. So if you haven't already, can I ask you to leave a review on your podcast app if there is a space to do so? It really helps with the algorithm. I'm still putting excerpts of Fred and Janie's letters on Instagram at my Love Letter Time Machine, all one word. And you are more than welcome to write to me at mylovelettertimemachine at gmail.com. Until next time, take care.